Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. South Valley and welcome to South Valley Online. It's a great opportunity to be together and we want to say a special thank you to our fathers and just celebrate you today. It is Father's Day so we love you and we are so happy and so glad that you are in our lives and we just want to continue to worship God our Heavenly Father as we come into his presence this morning. So let's lift our voices up where you are today.
over all circumstances. And as we celebrate fathers this morning, we want to give praise to our Heavenly Father, the perfect Father, the Father who has created us with a song in our heart. And when we believe that He is the good, good Father, He is perfect in all of His ways, we know that we can rely on Him always. So let's give Him praise.
can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still to love 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 your unguarded father to you are Father, Lord, we exalt you and we give you praise. You are perfect in all your ways. Lord, help us to lean on that understanding. Lord, we pray that this morning as we come into your presence, we would feel your presence wherever we are, Lord. Come into each and every place, Lord. Dwell among us and speak to our hearts. Calm our spirits. Help us to realize that in all circumstances, you are a God who's constant and never changes a God that can be leaned on. Let you be our rock, rock of our salvation, Lord, rock of hope, rock of peace and joy. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to lift our voices up, to sing praises to you, Lord. And as we look into your word, let your word come into our heart and again speak to us this morning. We thank you for this opportunity in your precious name. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship together through an opportunity of just being able to give back to God with what he has given us, we want to thank you for just being diligent through this time. Even though we're not able to be together, you have been diligent in giving back to the Lord. And we realize what he has blessed us with really isn't ours. We are stewards here on earth of what he has given us. So we want to encourage you to give back to the Lord this morning and throughout this week, and there are opportunities to do that. You can give in many different ways. You can give online at svcclamore.org and select Donate, or you can give by text. You can text any amount to 84321. You can also give by check. Make a check payable to South Valley Community Church or simply SVCC and mail it to the address shown on your screens. You can also come by and drop it in the mail slot in the door if that's convenient to you as well. But again, everything that we give to the Lord, he multiplies and uses it beyond our own capability into a world that is hurting. And so God can use everything that we bring before him and bless it and use it for his goodness. So again, we thank you for that opportunity this morning. 
and let us continue just to seek him throughout this day. Hey, good morning, South Valley. My name is Thomas Curtis, and on behalf of our pastoral search team, I'm just going to spend the next few moments updating you of where we are in the process. First of all, I just want to let you guys know that we miss you and we love you. Thank you so much for your continued prayer. I'm probably going to say that multiple times over the next couple minutes, but thank you so much. We need it. We love it. Um, And I also want to let you know that through everything that's going on, our team has stayed faithful to the mission, and we've met constantly, and we've been in prayer and in God's word, and we have sought God's will through this whole process. So it's my honor to let you guys know that we, over the last few weeks, we have been interviewing our first round of interviews with our pastoral candidates. That's super exciting um, and, and very, very big. Um, all of these pastors are great. All of these men are great men of God who, who love the church, who love uh, the community. And I just want to let you guys know that they've been praying for you also and, and everything that's going on here. Um, just to let you know what the, the future is going to look like, um, we are going to stay in prayer and we're going to seek God's will, and we're going to be, uh, in the next few weeks, going to our second round of, uh, of interviews. We're going to narrow that first round uh, down, and then we're going to be conducting our second round. And then after that second round, we're going to be going to a third round. And then eventually, in the near future, we're going to be presenting you with who we believe that God has called to be our new senior pastor. Now, it is a process, so please keep in prayer. Again, we need it. We love it. Um, and trust in the process. Thank you guys so much for your time. We love you. Have a great morning, South Valley. Thank you. Well, good morning again, South Valley, and thank you, John, and the worship team, and thank you, Thomas, for the update as we continue to pray that the right new senior pastor comes, and uh, we look forward to that process and excited. And we're in the midst of this strange time still, folks, and some of you are here live on Sunday morning, and some of you, most of you, are watching us still online, and we're working through our regathering task force plans. And at this point, We're thinking that we'll have another 100 people able to come on Sunday, June 28th, and then we hope that in July we can maybe move to two services. But, you know, we are reading the guidelines that are given us by the California Public Health, and then just on Thursday night they issued more guidelines about face coverings, and we're working all that through and thinking through what does that mean for us as we try to keep moving to regathering and keep watching this space. We'll keep praying. We'll keep discussing. We'll keep learning. And hopefully, uh, we'll all move together in unity and oneness as we uh, seek to honor God and be good citizens here in Lamore. So, keep praying for us. But we're in week number two of our series called Mastering the Art of Living. And I want to start by saying (laughs) there's always more than meets the eye. Uh, One day, there are parents bringing their children and their babies to Jesus, and his disciples are getting frustrated, if not mad. I, like, come on, if, if anyone else brings their little treasure to have Jesus put his hand on their head, I'll put my hand on their head. But Jesus turns to his disciples, and he says, calm down. Let 
the little children come to me. Don't stop them. And here's the line. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. More than meets the eye. And then, in the days of Jesus, the Jewish men would sometimes pray this prayer, thank you, God, for not making me a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. And so, one day, Jesus enters the home of a really righteous Jew, a Pharisee, and a woman enters, traditionally called a prostitute, and she starts crying, and her tears wet Jesus' feet, and she takes her hair, and she dries it, and then she pours perfume on the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisee, the really righteous Jew, is mad. What the blazes? If you were anything like I thought you were, you would know what kind of woman this is, and you would have dealt with her. And Jesus gives him a brilliant lesson on the relationship between love and forgiveness. And then he turns to the woman who's probably nervously shaking at the bottom of the couch, and Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Live with shalom. There's always more than meets the eye. To master the art of living, we have to begin to see how Jesus sees. So, if you're watching this at home, uh, I'm going to play a song here, a song that probably you know, and there's going to come alongside it a little clip uh, for a YouTube link. You can go and watch the clip on the movie, but we haven't got a copyright to show that. But listen to the clip of this song, and it's a song that you know, and hey, you might want to sing it along with us as we go, okay? So, listen to the clip of this little song called Ugly Duckling. was an ugly duckling with feathers all stubby and brown and the other birds in so many words said get out of town get out get out get out of town and he went with a quack <laughs> and you you probably know that song okay and you know how the ugly duckling is actually a swan okay now Turn to the person next to you and make the sound. Go on. You know, if you're at home, make it to your children. Or children, make it to your parents. Can you do it? Come on, join in. Don't just sit there with your arms crossed. Mastering the art of living. But we live in a world where the constant sound sometimes made to us is... And the sound that we often make to others is. This is a dominant sound of our culture. The sound of looking, thinking, seeing, and judging. But Jesus never did. Uh, two weeks ago, we discovered carpe diem, seize the day. No matter the situation, even in troubled times, live in the present because God is. He is not the I was. He is not the I will be. 
He is called the I Am. But this week, learn how to master the art of living from the master of life himself. Always look beyond the surface. Look deeper. Look closer. The obvious isn't always the truth. So, turn with me to James chapter 2, and I want to read the first four verses. Listen to the Word of God this morning. My brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. It's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? Into the church walks a man showing the bling-bling, and in walks a poor man. And the ushers showed the bling-bling man to the best seat. And to the poor man, they make the sound. You see, it's not a new sound, although it is growing louder and louder. It's the sound of looking, the sound of seeing the externals, the surface, and then based on what you have seen, you judge. So, the man with the bling-bling, he's rich, he has money, he must be important. That's what our culture says. The man with the big house, the big car, the big wallet, the good looks, the big status, he is of more value, more significance, more importance than ordinary Joe, or little Danny, or skinny Gilbert, or poor Diana. But here's where we need to go deeper. The issue isn't only our wrong value system, the grid that we measure success or importance upon, and that's messed up. And, and you don't need to come to church to know that our system is messed up. I mean, we know it is morally wrong to give more importance to a football player who can rush for 2,000 yards in a season and make that person more important than an urgent care nurse who every day saves lives. It just doesn't make sense. And we know it's morally wrong to place more value on an entertainer who can bump and grind their way to a number one hit rather than a teacher who sits with an autistic child and works week in, week out, hour in, hour out to help that child learn. We know our society's values are messed up, and we too often buy into that value system. But I'm not talking about that today because we all know that. I want to go a little bit deeper. It's not only that we have the wrong measures of success and importance, we determine each person's score 
score on our skewed measuring stick by only looking at the surface, summarily judging them because we buy into the truth that the obvious is the truth. But really, all we're doing here is we're living the titanic principle every day. We look at someone, we see the part sticking out of the water, the obvious, and we base our entire opinion and our interaction with them on what we see. And yet, 90% of who they are can only be found by looking beyond the surface, looking deeper, looking closer. There's always more than meets the eye. And if I'm going to master the art of living, if I'm going to live as Jesus lived, I better stop being a surface dweller and dive deeper. Now, you might at this point be saying, I'm not really getting, Gilbert, how this helps me master the art of living. Well, let's go into the text. James writes, and James says, chapter 2, verse 1, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's stop there. I find James fascinating because he's always full of linguistic and theological surprises. He's my kind of guy. He writes chapter 1, and, and we're going to revisit chapter 1 later in this series. We're not finished with this powerful chapter, but he ends it by talking about true religion or pure religion and what that involves and how it involves a bias to those who are the orphans and the widows. But he doesn't then go into chapter 2 and build on chapter 1. He, he goes into a completely different new thought pattern. And he says, I'm not going to talk about religion and true religion. I'm now going to talk about faith, and there's a difference. But more than that, I'm going to remind you of the concept of glory. Now, there's a sacred word, glory. And James deliberately wants our minds to contemplate the concept of glory as we now read this illustration of Christians displaying favoritism, staying on the surface and not going deeper. So, stay with me as we mull this over for a few moments. What is glory? Well, let me tell you about Moses. Moses is struggling with following God, and he's struggling because the people that he's supposed to be leading are not playing their part very well and following. And so, discouraged and downcast, he prays to God and he says, God, show me your glory. And God replies, and God says, okay, I will make all my goodness pass before you. You see the change of words? Moses says, Exodus 33, show me your glory. And God says, okay, I'll make my goodness pass before you. God's glory is his goodness. Now, James says, as followers of our glorious Jesus, as followers of the complete goodness of Jesus, 
Is the bell beginning to ring? There's a way to live having experienced the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, His goodness. So, James watched. Remember, James was the brother who didn't quite believe in Jesus, the half-brother. And James watched Jesus, and he saw the glory of God. And James watched as Jesus saw women and counted them to be worthy and important and valued and teachable. Remember the prayer that Jewish men make, thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus saw women as worthy, important, valued, teachable. And Jesus watched, and, and, and James watched as Jesus, with goodness, embraced the people that society demeaned and trivialized. James watched as the goodness of God had human flesh put on it, and he mastered the art of loving by showing goodness, by showing kind and mercy instead of harsh and judgments. So, he turned to the Samaritan woman, and Jesus says, there's, there's more to you than people see, more to you than your five husbands. I'm looking deeper, says Jesus, and I see someone made in the image of God, and you're restless, and you're searching for love. Find it in me. And, and so, he turns to the big man, Peter, and he says, there's more to you, Peter, than the bravado and the get-or-done tough exterior. I'm looking deeper, and I'm looking beneath the surface, and I see a man who's searching for destiny, for purpose, for something solid, for something of substance. You see, when we live life judging people on their externals, the surface, what they first let us see, we miss the 90% that's hidden. And it's maybe hidden because of fear, or it's maybe hidden because of guilt, or it's maybe hidden because they've always had to try to fit in, or, or maybe it's hidden because of history, or by pain, or by hurts, or by being victims, or by never measuring up. When we only look at the surface and then judge them, we miss the truth. And Jesus revealing the glory of God, the glory of God in its immense goodness. Jesus never missed the truth. He never missed the truth that every human being has been made in His glorious image. And while that image has been vandalized and polluted by selfishness, either selfishness done by us or to us, but if we look beneath the surface there are reminders, there are glimpses of the image we're made in. You see, when we only live on the surface, and when we only judge people by the surface, we end up living in the corruption and in the squalor of sin's deceit and sin's ugliness. But if we go deeper, and if we always remember that there's more than meets the eye, we can begin to live in the beauty of God's glory, the beauty of His goodness. Where would you rather live? On the surface or at the soul depth? Now, 
Listen to what James one verse, James two verse four says. When you start to show favoritism by staying on the surface and not going deeper, he says, chapter two verse four, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And here's what's interesting. The verb discriminated here is the same word that James used two weeks ago back in chapter 1, verse 6, about the person who is double-minded, the doubter. The doubter couldn't make up their mind if they fully wanted to follow God, and they had one foot at each camp, and depending on which way the wind blow would depend on what they would do. And James now says, the discriminator is like the doubter. Too often, we do not rely on our faith, our faith in Christ, to determine someone's value. Discriminators are making a judgment not based on the way of Jesus, but based on the surface and what they've chosen to see. And James is touching a nerve amongst Christians in his day. Because in his day, favoritism and discrimination was based upon your Jewishness, what we would term racism. And Holy Scripture is touching a nerve in our day, an exposed nerve in June 2020. My brothers and sisters, as believers in the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Don't discriminate. So, let's talk about racism. And I know I talk, as I've said before, as someone who hasn't been discriminated against because of the color of my skin. But let me try to put God's Word from James over some of this topic. James says, we are people who have experienced, who have known, who have shared in the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, His goodness. And so, the prophet Micah takes the holy quill, and he says, again, touching a raw nerve in Micah's day, a day of national crisis for Israel, a crisis including its identity. And, and Micah writes about what God expects, and he comes away with these words, He has showed you, O man, what is good, good. The goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, good, the goodness of God. We are believers in God's goodness. He has shown you what is good. And then he writes these words that are viewed as his classic statement and a beacon to Israel and to all God's people. Micah chapter 6 verse 8, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice. Justice is such a good word. 
Sadly, it's often used in ways that polarize or get politicized to certain agendas, but justice is a biblical word. It's a God word. It's a gospel word. The preeminent writer on the topic of what biblical justice means is one of America's great theologians, Nicholas Walterstorff, Yale professor, who at the age of 88 just wrote his memoirs. And more than any other theologian in the history of America, in the recent history, he spent decades writing on biblical justice. This is one of his books, Justice and Love. It's not his main book. His main book is that huge book, Justice, Rights, and Wrongs. And <laughs> that's just too big a book to bring, okay? Uh, but this is some of the writings of Nicholas Waterstorff. And he said these words, Justice means one should never treat persons or human beings as if they have less worth than they do. One should never under-respect or demean them. That's biblical justice. Scripture often talks about widows and orphans and aliens and the poor. Read the Old Testament, and those names, those terms come up frequently. Why? Because they were the most vulnerable to injustice, to be treated to less worth than they did, and, and, and they suffered for it. And those that perpetrated the injustices were blind to it, or chose to be blind to it. And so God said time after time after time, do justice do justice, do justice. And then he says, love mercy. Mercy can't sit on the sidelines. Mercy sees injustice happening, and it has to act. It has to do something. Andy Stanley, a pastor that many of us know, just posted this week this quote, the people who make a difference in the world are not the people who believe right. They are the people who act and react when something isn't right. Mercy says, if there is hurt, if there is pain, I have to be there. I have to do something. Some Christians say, well, we're not going to get involved. We're just going to preach the gospel to that. But I find that so hypocritical. You don't just preach the gospel to sex trafficking. You don't just preach the gospel on the issue of life and abortion. You act. Mercy has to act. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Humility never gets puffed up. Humility never says, thank God I'm not like them. That's what pride says. In humility, Paul says, we put the interest of others above ourselves. 
a teaching pastor that I sat under from which I have leaned into for these closing words today, my teaching pastor from the time when I was in church in Chicago, John Ortberg, says that the great narrative of humanity is that God created us that we would do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before Him. This is us being made in God's image. In the image of God, He created us, male and female, from every tribe and every nation and every people, and they are all equal of worth and equal of dignity and merit equal respect and equal treatment. And he goes on, the core problem is that sin entered and it marred the image of God in which we were created. So, sin is anti-love, and sin is anti-mercy, and sin is anti-justice, and sin is anti-humility. Sin is not just breaking some unreasonable rules that God puts in place that are too hard to keep. Sin at its core is anti-God, and it's anti-His image. We see it in two brothers, Cain and Abel the fourth chapter of history, Genesis chapter 4. And Cain decides something in his heart that he did, and we've all done it. We've all done it. Cain decides, I don't like him. And God says to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, sin is crouching at your door, and it wants to have you. Sin is a spiritual force. Sin is a living reality. Sin is a predator. It's lurking at your door, and it's lurking at my door. And now we come to favoritism, and to discrimination, and to racism. What is it? It is a form of anti-love, of anti-justice, of anti-mercy, of anti-humility. You see, you see, sin whispers to me. It's crouching at my door, wanting to have me. And here's what sin says. It says, you bear the image of God, but you bear the image of God more than those people over there. In my case, sin whispers to me, Gilbert, Gilbert, white people bear the image of God more than black people or brown people. That's what sin whispers. It whispers to me my norms, my tastes, my values, my ways, my appearance. Somehow my ways and my things and my values and my appearances, somehow they bear the image of God more fully than theirs do. Racism is that person pervasive. It it so goes into everything. And this is a lie. This is a lie from Satan himself. This is from the very pit of hell. This destroys the goodness of God, the glory of God, whose image you and I have been made in. It mocks Jesus, and it mangles the church, His bride. It's not about customs or habits. It's not about politics, although it informs all of that. 
It gets into our minds. It gets into our eyes. It gets into ourselves, into our perceptions. It gets into our words. It gets into everything. We're, we're, we're getting to the root of it now. Deep down beneath the surface, it gets into the words that come out of our mouths. It gets into our thinking. It gets into our educational centers. It gets into our housing practices. It gets into our healthcare practices. It gets into our laws. It gets into our churches. 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is still one of the most divided times in our nation. And James, James says, Holy Scripture says, when favoritism, discrimination happens, we have let evil in. And we've left the goodness of God behind. We who have experienced the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we who have tasted of the goodness of God, we've left it behind and grabbed evil. So we need to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly. I know for me, a couple of weeks back, I talked about how I had to start with examining the plank in my own eye before I could remove the speck in someone else's eye. I had to start with self-examination, my biases, my prejudices. I'm also, in this period, trying to do some humble learning. Not just learning, but learning with humility. I am fully aware of my own messed up thinking, which could lead to messed up actions. And while my want to do mercy wants me to act and rush to act, I know I have to humbly learn. So, this morning, I want to share three or four resources which you might find helpful as you join me in the quest to humbly learn. I'm going to put on the screen for you to see a title of three different books, which uh, I recommend as good reading to begin with. Uh, the first one is called Beyond Colorblind by Sarah Shim. Uh, she's the Associate National Director of Evangelism for IVP, Inter InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and a very helpful book to begin reading with. Second book, uh, written by a pastor in Chicago who studied at my alma mater, uh, Northern Seminary, uh, White Awake, An Honest Look at What It Means to be White by Daniel Hill. And then the third book is one written by the professor of evangelism at North Park Seminary in Chicago, Prophetic, La Prophetic Lament by Song Chang Ra. Uh, not hard books to read, but very, very helpful books to read. And then, if you're not a reader, then I recommend that you maybe take some time to watch this film, Just Mercy. And it's the powerful story of the young lawyer, Brian Stevenson, and his battle for injustice. Walking humbly. Walking humbly asks me to be a learner and a listener before I shout or argue. I need to be a humble learner to properly and informedly stand alongside my 
African-American brothers and sisters. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. It would be so good if everyone who is a part of SVC could spend some time walking humbly. And that humility is a time to learn. <laughs> and then look what James writes as he takes his inspired pen. He terms it the royal law, chapter 2, verse 8, bringing his comments about favoritism, about discrimination, about racism to a climax. He gives us the royal law, what the Apostle Paul described as the summing up of the entire law, Romans chapter 13, Galatians chapter 5. James 2 verse 8, love your neighbor as yourself. Examine every word. Examine every action. Examine every attitude. Examine every bias. Examine every favor against that law. Against that law. This is mastering the art of living. Lesson number two. You've known the goodness of God. Don't let evil in by showing favoritism or discriminating or racism. Let's bow our hearts. And this very moment, God, bring to our attention in our minds who our neighbor is. Not a family member, not a colleague, not a friend, but who our neighbor is. Someone who's different than us, not from where we're from. Near us, but different. Love your neighbor as yourself. The royal law. Oh God, help us humbly learn what that looks like and then help us to act justly, and to love mercy, to walk humbly. In Christ's name, amen. See you all next week for lesson number three. God bless.